Welcome to Head Over Feels, the podcast where we discuss matters of the heart while also using our heads, blending emotional awareness with intellectual relationship skills. We promise raw, real, and sometimes ridiculous advice on love, sex, and relationships. I'm Megan Sundra. And I'm Fernando DV. We're here to tag team you with juicy insights, tantalizing tools, and sometimes embarrassing anecdotes in order to help you have the best love life ever. On this week's episode, we'll be answering letters about distracting bodily insecurities, anal judgment, going braless, and the book called Difficult Conversations. <laughs> I love anal judgment. That's, I know. That's like, that's definitely like a weird porn. <laughs> you need to sell that to some company or something. Stay tuned to find out what that's all yeah. about. <laughs> and for anal judgment too. <laughs> I don't know, the opening, the reckoning. Uh, oh my God, those. <laughs> what goes in must come out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> Whoa. Well, for more raw realness like that, join our Facebook group. <laughs> nice. Day, Nick. <laughs> it's called Rebel Hearts, and it's a place on Facebook for all of us freaks to gather and talk about what's going on in our love and sex lives. Um, and the common thread being that we all want to do love differently. Uh, we want to break free from norms and expectations and the, the ways that, you know, relationships have done, been done for a long time in the larger culture might not be what works for everyone. And so it's a place for us to get a little more honest about that um, and also share some funny relationship memes. Yes, exactly. We also um, are taking and constantly taking, always taking your submissions for questions. <laughs> so if you like to send questions, love letters, whatever the case would be, you can either uh, email us at headoverfeelspod at gmail.com. But really our preferred contact would be headoverfeelspod.com slash contact. And that's where you can fill out that nice form that Meg had created for us. And you can be anonymous or put whatever details you want. So that way we can read off your questions on the air. Yeah, that's how to submit a letter to us, like the ones that we read every episode and answer. So use that form to submit whatever's going on with you, even if it's not something in the present, something that happened to you in the past you want perspective about, something hypothetical in the future you want some perspective about. We're here for all of it. So that's the best way to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, but also your success stories. You know, there's been some people who have told me some really awesome impacts that our show has had on their relationships. Yeah. So we're actually going to start sh um, sharing some love from us, from listeners. So if you want to have your review read on air, which we are about to do. Who doesn't want to? Right. <laughs> Feel special. You are special. You are so special. <laughs> so you can submit your review for our show. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, give us five stars as well and write up a little something nice about how this has impacted you. Uh, we put a lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> and a lot of love. <laughs> I was going to say other fluids. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe other fluids. <laughs> We're not going to say. <laughs> Yeah, we put a lot of love into this podcast and we love hearing from you guys. So um, please do share the love back and share yeah. us with your friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you don't want to share your partner, share at least this podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And, you know, we particularly 
uh, love iTunes reviews because those are the ones, apparently the ones that matter. So iTunes or, and you don't need to have an iPhone or a iPad or any other Mac device to do so. You can do this from your Windows PC, yeah. maybe even your Windows phone if you still have one. Right. <laughs> I can't say if it work, works or not. But. <laughs> so let me read this uh, review that we got from Dave Kavnar. He said, a must listen for anyone. Every episode that I've listened to so far of Head Over Feels has been jam-packed with value for anyone in a relationship, looking to enter a relationship, or simply becoming the best version of yourself. The hosts communicate incredibly articulately from a place of personal knowledge, moving from individual experience to practical application of material they've learned and gathered over the years with perfect levels of humor, authenticity, and compassion. Do yourself and everyone else in your life a favor and give these wonderful humans and their message a try. You won't regret it. Oh my gosh. Thank you Isn't so much. Isn't that nice? <laughs> thank you, Dave Kavnar. Thank you. You are so sweet. And lastly, quick announcement. We had talked about an event at the end of January. Well, <clears throat> we changed our minds because we can because we're adults and we have lives. So we are going to have our Facebook live Q&A on February 7th, which is a Sunday. I'm going to shoot for 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's 6 p.m. Central Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard mm -hmm. Time. I, I know this from my work because I have to know. No one wants to work with my time zones. So I have to work with theirs. <laughs> so I'm just like. <laughs> and if you're outside of the contiguous states, uh, we do not know what time it is. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, UTC plus six. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I have to Google do the conversion. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we would love to see you there. And the reason you should come to a live Q&A is because it's going to be similar but different to the podcast. Um, Tell us more, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a little more on the fly, on the spot, a little more kooky and a little more off the cuff. And we will answer your relationship questions right there on the spot. So you can submit one ahead of time if you are a highly organized adult, <laughs> which, you know, not all of us are. Or you can submit it while you are there watching the live with us and we'll answer right away. So if you don't want to stay in the queue that we have of questions that people submit, which we wish we could answer a million of them per episode, but three seems to be our current limit that we can reasonably <laughs> yeah. help people with. Um, this is how to jump the line. So yeah. um, go ahead and submit that and ask us live and we will answer your situation. Especially if you're like, man, I'm going through something right now. I can't wait weeks for it to show up on air. This is how to get an immediate answer. Yeah, You might even get a second question in. Yeah. Yeah. Other thing too is you get to know us more. You have opportunity to ask your host, you know, what's our weirdest kink, you know? <laughs> we may or what's... may not answer all of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see our beautiful faces. Yeah, we're probably laughing at ourselves the entire time. Totally. Have a drink. Bring a drink. We'll have one too. Yes. Um, this is also a great opportunity to win a raffle. We're going to run a raffle during the Facebook Live, and only the people who attend will be entered in the raffle. And who stay to the end. Uh -huh. That's the kicker. <laughs> and you can't just show up at the end either. <laughs> so we're going to collect the names of the people who are present and put them in a raffle. And the drawing uh, will be for a prize of a free coaching session with us. 90 minutes. Yeah. So, so that means... An hour plus 30. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is where we can go really deep together and work on relationship issues. Whatever questions you have, whatever issues are coming to your mind, we are here for it. So it's a way that we can schedule a private call, um, which normally is something that we charge for, obviously, that we advertise our coaching services and have these ongoing packages where people meet with us once a week. But this is a great opportunity for you to like have a rapid fire, intense session that's an hour and a half with us to really get some personalized advice, perspective, guidance, whatever you need um, mm -hmm. that, you know, jump the queue there as well. We have busy schedules. We don't have a lot of time for coaching calls, but we're going to prioritize you in this if you win the raffle. Yes, exactly. And speaking of of this whole thing, make sure you just keep an eye on our social media because we will be shooting out reminders on the podcast and yes. on our social media. And so you don't want to miss out. It'll be a fun time. We have our Facebook page and Instagram. Head Over Feels Pod is the handle for those. And then the Facebook group, which is private, is Rebel Hearts. So mm -hmm. just click the join request, answer the three questions we got there for you, and then you're in. Yeah. And if you miss this and you still would like a coaching session with us, head over fieldspod.com slash coaching. Yes. And then you can get a session with one of us or both of us. There is no increased charge for both of us because, mm -hmm. you know, we can tag team you. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> and we can go over into much more detail than we can over the podcast, over situation, questions. Um, yeah. Anything that you want to talk about, we will we'll talk about. <laughs> right. And if you don't want it aired in public, too, that's another way to have a private experience. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, onwards and upwards. Uh, let's, yes. Uh, let's get these letters. Our first letter today comes from Lilac, a 28 year old bi woman. She writes, Hi, Megan Fernando. I have a question about staying present during sex. Some background. I've been with my boyfriend for three years, and honestly, everything's pretty great in general, and we have a pretty active sex life. I've always had a lot of body insecurities, lots of things, not just one specific feature, and my confidence comes and goes depending on a variety of factors. It can get in the way of me enjoying sex because I'm constantly worrying about how I look and thinking I don't look sexy. Sometimes I'll even do certain things to try to look better during sex, like suck in my stomach or twist a certain way to turn my face at a better angle or try making sexier O faces, etc. My boyfriend makes me come pretty easily, but it's not like I can get fully immersed in the experience, you know? My insecurities are just really distracting, and over the past year, they've gotten worse. I find myself worrying about even thinking about these issues, like, oh no, we're starting to mess around. I hope I don't obsess about how I look, but I can already feel it starting. The crazy thing is, it's he's super supportive and compliments me a lot. So what's going on? How can I feel better and just enjoy sex with my boyfriend? Mm. Thanks for writing in, Lilac. I think that's something a lot of ladies can relate to. Yeah. Oh, man. So where do we begin? I Insecurities, whenever I hear stuff about insecurities, I always... Uh, the, one of the most common correlations is self-work mm. or a need for self-work. So I'm not saying you're broken and you got to fix yourself. What I'm saying is uh, this isn't, you know, your partner's being supportive and bringing all this stuff to you, but it's, it's like he's not really, what he's doing, even though it's positive, isn't as impacting as much. So 
from when we look at that way, we see that it's not the external thing that needs to change; it's the internal thing that needs to change. The internal, like how we see ourselves. Mm. And so, what? And to do, to expand on that, how do you see you? Mm. What are so so? This beckons a question: like, what are ways that you can learn to love your body and yourself? You know, one of my favorite ways that to look into to to go about this process with self-love and self-care uh, is actually with it ties into social media is actually detaching from it. Mm. So like unfollowing, unsubscribing from groups, people that, um, that don't contribute to a positive self-image, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's like, I don't know, like uh, people who have unrealistic or uh, like body standards or some, or maybe any channels that just make you feel like you are not doing enough for yourself. Mm. So that may contribute to like eating a shameful eating or, or just feeling like, well, I'll never be like so-and-so or like, I'll never mm. be like this Instagram person who looks perfect in all this way. Like that's not a realistic standard to go by. Yeah. Um, I like the suggestion of examining the media you consume. Yeah, Like Instagram's pretty bad. I have to detach from that pretty frequently. There's just really beautiful people everywhere. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't look like that person at all. Yeah. Um, but also TV, um, any other visual media or the people in your life, how supportive are, are they? Do you have friends who make a lot of like fat phobic comments mm-hmm. or do you have a, a family member who like makes judgments about your hairstyle or your clothes? Like how are the people in your life? Are they supportive around this too? Like are, are these messages coming from other mm-hmm. places perhaps? Yeah. Mm, that's a great way. Yeah. Cause like, What's the saying? There's some saying about like, um, whatever you consume, it's like something in, something out. Mm, garbage yeah. in, garbage out. <laughs> I've heard <laughs> that, that one for sure. That's maybe what I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, because like if you're just taking all this garbage that makes you feel shitty about yourself, then it doesn't. It, then guess what? You're just you're not going to feel like you're contributing. But if mm. you find like body positive or like other other media that that helps you like accept your body then you can f- come to a place where you can like yeah i don't have to sit here and adhere to all these like unrealistic standards i like that um another would be like so you know digging into like self-care practices um i i don't know the book i know my partner recently got a book about self-care mm. and it's and she took a month of like being you know made a list of things like you know eating healthy every day like and she kind of like spent less time with people that like fuck no spaces, not <laughs> spending time in fuck no spaces. So anyone who like was um, emotionally draining, like spent more time with herself, spent time like hiking as much as she could. And nice. so, so, and she just like came out of it with like so many new healthy habits and a lot more self-respect from her, you know, towards herself. Oh my God, that's beautiful. Um, you know, like taking long baths, lotioning yourself after a shower, just to mm. like, you know, be in touch with your body and touching yourself and just like, you know, doing self-care in that way, um, working out for yourself mm-hmm. can help also boost like self-love and bodily appreciation. You know, buying clothes that fit, uh, getting rid of your fucking weight scale. Mm-hmm. Like stop weighing yourself. That's not helping. Those numbers do not, those numbers are only going to make you get in your head like, oh my God, I added however many pounds. Like yeah. how do you feel? And you know, how can you accept, find some acceptance with, you know, within yourself? Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, I think, believe we had an earlier episode about self-care as well. Yeah. So dig into that because we have quite a few suggestions on that, wink, wink. So. Totally. 
Um, I would call upon the support systems in your life, like your friends, if they are supportive, but don't say a lot of things to you about your looks. You can say like, hey, guys, I've been feeling really down about my looks lately. Can you like help boost me up? Do you have any pointers for feeling more confident? Stuff like that. So if you have supportive people who are willing to step in and uh, show up for you to be your support when you're feeling a little faltering. Um, you can also explore this in therapy with a professional who can talk to you about like your self-esteem issues, your body image issues, because some of that can become like at a level that just average friends can't help you with, you know, um, there are also confidence coaches out there that you can hire who, um, will help like dissect sort of what's going on in your mind and give you tips and tricks to improve your confidence, uh, so there's a lot of tools out there and resources. So I would look into those because it's a mind game for sure. And unfortunately, like you live inside your own head and this may be an upwards battle. You said that this is something you've experienced for years and it detracts from your sex life. So it sounds like it's worth spending time, energy, and maybe money on to try to fix because it it sounds like it'll improve many aspects of your life um, to improve that one experience of yours. Yeah. Yeah. Not just, just that one experience mm -hmm. either. This is it's gonna, like you said, it's going to ripple out into other aspects exactly. of your life. And you know, we, and your partner is being super, super supportive and that's awesome. But also it's not on him, mm -hmm. you know, as well. Like if this is all, this is an internal journey, mm -hmm. but this is also, we have a, probably a lot of deprogramming to like move past, right? you know, not to mention all the social media, just media in general, a uh, consumption about like what the, uh, a quote perfect body looks like mm -hmm. or what a normal body looks like or what beauty standards are expected of us, magazines and all that shit. Right. So. And, you know, it's a tragedy that this is interrupting your ability to have a good time and your pleasure is important. You have a right to um, have the sex that you want. and every day that you spend mired in these thoughts or hiding from them or avoiding dealing with them is another day that you are at the, at their mercy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, leaning on the support and reassurance of your friends and your partner is great, but that's just external validation. The true love and self validation has to come from within. Boom. Fernando's exactly right. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, also remind yourself that like your partner chose you. Your partner's actively having sex with you in that moment. So yes, they think you're sexy. <laughs> yeah. And you can ask them to remind you, you know, like, hey, just need to check in that like I don't look weird right now or, you know, remind me why you chose me, whatever that is. Yeah. So sometimes digging into those things can be helpful, not just to like, am I hot? Yes, no. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, maybe. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there might be more to dig into there, but um you are worthy of being loved and appreciated by others and by yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope this is, gives you some starting points. Yeah. Find ways to love yourself because this is the long run. This is going to make a huge difference in not just this relationship, but any oh, other yeah. relationship, your friendships. And you deserve all the love in the world. Yeah. And by the way, everybody looks weird during sex. <laughs> 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 if you think about it, Sex is weird. We're like animalistic and often not really present in thinking about how we look. And therefore, if you think you look weird, you probably look just as weird as all the rest of us do in the moment. And that's yeah. like forgivable. That's part of the, the deal. Yeah. It's part of the experience. Exactly. <laughs> Throw caution to the wind. <laughs> all right. Our next letter comes from Zeb, who's a 39-year-old straight man. And he writes, hey, head over feels. I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I'm just starting to consider anal play, but I'm worried I freaked out my girlfriend. 
I got out of a 10-year sexually dead relationship Oof. after several months of healing. And after several months of healing emotionally, I was extremely excited about getting back out there and, ex- and exploring new things too. We quickly met my current girlfriend, who is wonderful, and we've had fun exploring each other for the past six months or so. With my libido free to do as it pleases, I find my mind creating a long list of things I'd like to try. Mm. So I brought up to her that I wanted to explore anal play, and she made a weird face immediately, but agreed she was open to doing it for me. She's not prudish, but I was surprised that she kind got kind of distant after that conversation, and the next day started asking me questions like, have you ever fantasized about guys? And you haven't been with men before, have you? I haven't, and I asked her why she asked. She said it's because men who want anal play are almost always secretly gay, whether they're aware of it or not. Mm. <laughs> I'm heard of this, but always thought this was just homophobic matcha talk, but she insists it's true. Now I'm second-guessing myself and not so sure I should get into this. But the other part of me just wants to somehow convince her it, she's wrong. How can I? Oh, Fernando, you're going to have to hold me back on this one. I'm going to fly off the handle. Fly off the handle. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is such a stereotype, and it's antiquated, and I'm sorry that your girlfriend is um, still adhering to it. Yeah, that is some old shit. That's right. Old shit right there. Get it out. Get it out. (laughs) Um, People's butts are for fun times. They want them to be. (laughs) There are many pleasure receptors in the nerves around and inside the anus, and anus knows no gender everyone has one (laughs) (laughs) and it's a misconception that men love or attract or are attracted to other men because of their anuses that's ridiculous like men who like men like men because of their menness (laughs) you know whether they're cis or trans men it's the masculinity it's the presentation it's it's the the bodies overall the personality traits like like that ephemeral ethereal thing that makes men men which Mm -hmm. you know we could dive into for days but um but like butt stuff is not unique to gay guys obviously anyone who has one and likes it played with can enjoy that and it says nothing about your orientation at all and so unfortunately your girlfriend's been misinformed Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's time to set her straight on this um (laughs) pun acknowledged (laughs) So, um, in addition to having her listen to this podcast, you could find some articles and blogs that debunk this. Um, just because you like having your butt played with doesn't make you gay. And even if it did, that's okay too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Does not matter. It's like, so what? Right. (laughs) Her judgment is homophobic at its core and she needs to examine that. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I flew off the handle. I'm going to get back on the handle. Yes. (laughs) i'm back (laughs) another way to look at this is that it's so let's get the converse so um someone who's identifies as a lesbian can enjoy using dildos and not want to be with a man or be straight yes it's the same exact concept it's all about the stimulation yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and you know as you yeah you can definitely enjoy being pegged or anal play not be like i enjoy anal play i enjoy being pegged Mm -hmm. i've made out with really good looking men haven't haven't had any fireworks fly out yet so open to having an experience where i'm like (laughs) hell yeah because then that's a all the potential for me to explore dating and and you know that that means my dating pool is doubled effectively but like did those experience make you gay fernando no 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 and it's like 
And if it did, so what? You know, it's right. like, oh, cool. Like, mm-hmm. and now I have more people to play with, you That's know, in which seems like a great problem to have. I don't know. Right. <laughs> and so. Bye, people unite. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I I think I just told a friend before, I'm like, I'm disappointingly straight right now. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but I'm just like. like not while I'm drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> you almost spit that water out. I love that. That was great. Yeah. And I think. Uh, but you know, I'm like, if it happens, awesome. I'm, I'm oh, I'm definitely open to the experience. Mm-hmm. But so far, it's been like, ah, uh, no, nothing's felt, nothing's really changed. I've never been like, oh, this is new. And mm-hmm. I, like I said, but I do enjoy getting pegged. It's fun. It's, I, I get to know what the experience of being fucked is like. And, there you go. And, uh, you know what? As you said before, it's like there's nothing about your you know, or your orientation. And it's actually super common for straight uh, men to enjoy anal play. And just like, you know, I said that the sensation plays is, is sometimes just something, you just want something different. Mm-hmm. You just want to try a different thing. And that uh, thing is just what hits all the right buttons for you. Yeah. I mean, the good God above, if you so believe in it, <laughs> put the um, prostate it inside the anus. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, don't make no mistakes, right? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so look, like men can have insanely incredible orgasms that can't be reached through external stimulation alone. So internal anal play can be a whole other world of pleasure and it's okay. And it means nothing unless you want it to. Um, so when you talk to your girlfriend about this, you know, uh, try to help reeducate her on it and also thank her for her willingness to explore with you. And granted, not every partner needs to do everything we ask them to. So if she's like, I really never want to touch your butt, that's a hard no from me, then like she's not going to be the partner that explores this with you. You could have other partners who do, either at the same time as her, if you want to do consensual non-monogamy, or after her, if you want to do serial monogamy. (laughs) Um, Date someone else. If this is something you want to prioritize, that's okay. It's your body. You get to explore what's important to you. Yeah. And if you want to explore, I, you know, I want to go back to what you said about like the, uh, the, this guy deal with the God and like <laughs> higher, you know, what do they call it? Intelligent design. Ooh. So it's like having like, imagine like the Easter egg of like creation of like, I'm going to put, make this design in this way. So that way when people eventually figure out that butt fucking is great, <laughs> or ain't no plays great. They'll find out in the right time. So it's kind of like, oh we're, my God. <laughs> So we're just learning so much about ourselves throughout this whole process. <laughs> that was brilliant. That was beautiful. So, so yeah. yeah, fans of intelligent design, <laughs> at me and let me know. What you're right, about. <laughs> we have a little more evidence to you know throw that. We could throw that one at that bucket, but mm-hmm. you know we're not. We're just saying it's a fun thing to entertain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, as is anal play. <laughs> totally. So. Yeah, I think the other thing, you know, whenever people come up with these, like, um, these kind of problematic things, then just ask, like, where are you getting it with this information? Like, yes. why does it bother you that if I was with a man before, why does that bother you? Mm-hmm. It fucking shouldn't, you know? I think that's, and that says a lot more about her than does you. Yes. You know, and that can come down to, like, you may really like this person, but then there might be some ethical, like, qualms you have. Like, I don't, like, you may be like, look, Regardless of what my sexual orientation is, I think it's unfair and a bit like um, a bit seedy that you're going to degrade me or just like making me wrong for whatever experiences I had. Yeah. Um, 
there was there's a show called Insecure that's like on HBO, and I remember one of the women dated a guy, and he mentioned he had sex with a guy once, and she got so weirded out about it. But it's like, why? You know, like this guy was like super nice to her, like everything about him was awesome, but she like wigged out about that one detail, mm-hmm. and it's just like, and this is the same exact situation where it's like that that's so insignificant, you yeah, know? Yeah, because. Just because you had sex with a, a male, you know, if you're, as a man with another man at one point, um, it doesn't mean anything. It just means you had sex with another person at one point. And, you know, all that to me is that they're open to like the bigger flavor of like experiences. Mm-hmm. So that's so true. And you just saying that reminded me I had this memory I haven't thought of in years because well, it's been a while. When I was like 19 or 20, I think I dated a guy who said something that he had like made out with a guy or mm-hmm. was like occasionally attracted to guys. And I was just like, what? And I come from a very heteronormative, traditional, conservative background. As a lot of us in the middle of Many yeah. of us, yes. And so this like broke my brain open and I didn't know how to feel about it. And my initial feelings were being squicked out and being weirded mm-hmm. out. And um, I really had to examine that at the time because I really loved this guy. And um, we were a good connection and had a healthy relationship. And I had to really reconceptualize what non-straightness meant to me you know and like receiving somebody else's life experiences as fully valid and not affecting our current relationship and I think it's because I was subscribing to a narrative of like what masculinity was and that it was tied to being straight so anyone who's less than straight is less than masculine Mm, and that's what I was attracted to was masculinity so it like threw that into question um, and it just required me to redefine what masculinity and attraction were to me. Yeah. So it's a journey. Like this is a, you know, difficult, deep work that people got to go through, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. So worth it. So Zeb, Zeb like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wish you the best. Have this conversation and just be real. Like, you know, maybe worth asking where she got this information. Like where, who's, who's feeding this line of mm-hmm. shit because, um, and why does it matter? Yep. Cause that's the most important thing. Like whatever, if it's consensual and ethical and respectful of the other person and not harming anyone, what's the fucking problem here? Right. I'm throwing my hands up because there's nothing else to be said. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Enjoy your future anal orgasms. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Our third letter comes from Shaya a 23-year-old lesbian woman. She writes, Hi, Megan Fernando. What are your thoughts on going braless? My newish girlfriend is kind of a hippie and has been encouraging me to try it. I've never had any friends or family who don't wear bras, so it's pretty out there for me, but I'm also kind of curious. My tits are really small anyway, so it wouldn't make much difference. I started going braless around the apartment with my girlfriend, and it seems to really make her happy and relaxed and turned on too. But I'm nervous to try this in public. Is it worth the risk? She swears most people won't care or even notice, but I'm paranoid they will. Any perspective? Do people give way fewer shits than I think they do? (laughs) Should I free the titties? (laughs) Um, I think it's a resounding yes from our podcast. (laughs) Do what feels best, girl. Yeah, Yeah, don't even... uh, Yeah, I would... You know... I am very curious to hear your perspective on this, Meg. But yeah, like there's absolutely every reason for you to do what's um, for what feels good for you. You know, fuck what everyone else thinks. Yeah. Fuck what, and then like if people are going to bring it out, like um, if they want to risk being the creepy person, like out, you know, in public, I, 
which hasn't stopped people before, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but uh, you know what? Like do what's comfortable for you. Like, and it's your body. It's your choice. Yeah. You know, also another thing is like when you wear a bra that can like trap dirt and sweat against, you know, skin your breasts, like uh, boob sweat can mm-hmm. just evaporate naturally, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Might have fewer breakouts. Yeah. And you're allowing your skin to breathe better, clear. And you just also, I mean, there's also that sense of freedom too. Yeah. You know? I feel like there's something about bras that's like a very, what do you call it? Like we were lied about bras, like we worried about shaving armpits and all oh, that. Oh, yes, we were. Ooh, tell us more. About <laughs> I- <laughs> Let's examine the pros and cons of the experience of going braless, right? <laughs> so we live in like a bra normalizing society, but it wasn't always this way. Um, bras are a fairly recent invention, I believe like late 1800s, uh, invented by men. And <laughs> I know why I know you fucking assholes. If I could go back in time and erase you from history, I fucking would. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to look up the history, um, which we should touch on in on another podcast because it's fascinating. The journey of bras over time has taken quite a counterintuitive <laughs> journey. <laughs> um, but so, so they can be confining, constricting, they can be tight and uncomfortable. In fact, most of them are, especially ones with underwire or ones that don't fit well. Um, they can cause like, I don't know if it's technically tissue atrophy, but basically the, the muscles and tissue uh, that like hold up your boobs, basically, um, atrophies because the holding up is being done for them. And so this can create like sagginess and like a lack of firmness in the tissues over time. Um, they can be cumbersome and an extra chore to deal with, um, they can be like a source of judgment. Like people can judge what type of bra you're wearing, if it's showing through your clothes or if the straps are showing or like elementary school boys snapping your bra strap. Super frustrating. Oh, geez. Yeah. Is that, did you, that happen to you? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's it's yeah. super immature and violating. Um, so, so those are the cons of bras, but there are pros too. So um, people with larger breasts uh, can have back problems and discomfort and a lot of pain, especially while exercising. So bras can provide a legitimate function. So we don't want to shame you however you want to do your thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, bras can also make you feel confident and sexy. You know, mm-hmm. if they shape your boobs in a way that you like them being held up or they're like a really pretty fabric that makes you feel sexy, that's great. Totally go for it. Yeah. Um, so if you want to go braless in public, you may have this discomfort of other people's judgments or your nipples chafing or being cold on your clothes. That's not a good time, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, or people staring, you know? Um, people don't see nipples in public as often in this country as they may in other countries. Um, or maybe they see them more in this country than other more repressive countries. So <laughs> it, it's a spectrum. Uh, so you do open yourself up to the judgment or stares or ogling of others, unfortunately, but that's on them. You know, mm-hmm. they got to like get their shit together and learn to be polite adults. So if you're willing to deal with some of the bullshit people throw your way, it could be worth it because it could feel really empowering. Like Fernando said, yeah. it can be fun and sexy. Um, it can be freeing and just like one less thing you have to wear or deal with that day. Yeah. I think it really helps question the norms that you've been taught. So it can be an easy, a a good exercise for that. 
Uh, there were many years that I went braless in my life. And like nowadays I kind of wear bras more often and it's a more of a comfort issue, but I really enjoyed challenging the status quo. Mm -hmm. Like I really liked pushing the line and being like, Ooh, I can just go live life like a man. <laughs> like I'm just going <laughs> to put a shirt on and walk out the door. That's revolutionary to some people. Yeah. That is very outside the norm for some people. Mm -hmm. So I celebrate your choices, whatever you want to do, um, but it's fun to experiment. You don't have to like decide one way or another for the rest of your life. You could just do one day here, one day there, whatever you're feeling. It doesn't mean you're making some philosophical commitment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to bra or not to bra, that's, that's the question. <laughs> well, we can only encourage you to do what feels best for you, Shea, and, you know, Happy braless times. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And our spotlight topic or toolbox today. Spotlight? It's a toolbox. It's a toolbox. Because it's a book. It's a toolbox. <laughs> we got a box. All right. Our toolbox today is for the book, Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most by Douglas Stone. Bruce Patton and Sheila Heen. Thank you. Yeah, love <laughs> Of the Harvard Negotiation Project, we should note. Oh. Yeah. So, f fun fact uh, this was assigned to me in grad school and I never read it. <laughs> uh, in a grad school. In, in grad school. <laughs> Until now, I read it 10 years later. Um, and it was amazing. I should have read it. <laughs> so, why are we bringing up this book? Tell us more. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I loved this book because it was one of the best that I've read on communication since I read NVC, uh, Nonviolent mm -hmm. Communication. And the reason this was great is it's written in plain language. Anybody can understand. It addresses mm -hmm. a wide variety of examples for any kind of lifestyle people might have, any kind of conflict they have. And it provides you with very actionable advice and tools and a deeper understanding of why difficult conversations are difficult how to approach them, mm -hmm. what's really going on during these conversations. You may think it's really simple, like my neighbor's dog is barking all the time. I'm going to go over there and tell them to get their dog to stop barking. But there's like a whole like interconnected web of unspoken needs and expectations and norms and feelings that are happening. And so learning to become aware of those things before and during having this conversation will make it go so much better. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean smoother. I mean like both participants are more likely to get what they want out of the conversation because mm -hmm. it, it went better for both of them. So it's not just about avoiding conflict here. That's for yeah. sure. It's, what's interesting in the book is they also talk about why people avoid. Ooh. And I think that's like a really cool thing because I know I like to understand things and it's cool to get the whole perspective of like why people avoid having difficult conversations mm. and why people often manage difficult uh, conversations poorly. Oh my God. <laughs> and then the book giving you like techniques and stuff. And, you know, our podcast is essentially uh, going a lot into this because we are encouraging lots of really difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. So consider this a supplement to your relationships because being in a relationship, especially one that you care about and that is worthwhile and <laughs> that you're invested in, you will have difficult conversations. Yes. Uh, that is inevitable. Um, but how you manage those, that will help you manage the relationship a lot better. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is something in the book they talk about, you know, there are three 
every difficult conversation has three deeper conversations. The like what happened conversation involves um, like a disagreement over what happened, what should happen, and who's to blame. Mm, what is this conversation or what does this conflict mean to both of us? How are our identities involved? And this is some higher level analysis and awareness shit. Um, but once you hear it explained in this book, it might help you just have a little bit more awareness for your subsequent conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I see why you're so adamant about your dog being allowed to bark because like your identity is wrapped up in your beliefs about freedom of expression, perhaps, mm -hmm. or uh, not um, putting a muzzle on animals. You know, like there may be some deeper things here that you're not aware of on the surface. So I found that to be super helpful in this yeah. book, you know? Yeah. And, you know, most conversations actually fail because people describe the problem from their own perspective mm. that implies a judgment of the other person mm. and it provokes a defensive response. So you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's why all these difficult conversations get off the right wrong foot because we're like, well, you know, I don't like that your bog's doing this. So then you're judging the person on their dog training mm -hmm. and their dog and so like you're a bad neighbor you're a careless dog owner yeah. yeah so then how else would you respond other than defensively yes and so this is where it's where we want to this book helps like change the trajectory so rather than the provoking the defensive we want to invoke like we want to invoke like an open dialogue so yeah. that way it's not like i'm i'm implicitly giving you a judgment it's more like I want, we want to be able to like, I let this be a collaboration together. Right. Yeah. yeah. There, this book is like packed with insights. I had to pause it every minute or so to take notes and be like, oh my God, that was perfectly said. Let me jot that down. Um, I think this should be part of your emotional intelligence 101 syllabus in your life, your self-study course. <laughs> Put this at the top of your list. I'm going to probably listen to it multiple times in my life just to keep absorbing and reminding myself about these truths that lie just below the surface and they're counterintuitive. But the more awareness that we can develop about these things, like the the way smoother all of our relationships and interactions are going to go. Mm -hmm. They talk about examples from workplaces, neighbors, family, and re romantic relationships. Um, and so, of course, on the podcast, emotional intelligence is like one of our main things. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, we really highly advise you guys read this book. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then let us know what you learned from it. Let us know what you think or how it changed some conversations that you've been having. Um, I wish I could summarize it. Like I need to write an outline of this book yeah. and have it printed out. And then like when I go to my partner with a difficult conversation with something I'm upset about, I'm going to like fucking follow <laughs> the outline. <laughs> like, oh my God, it would make things go so much better. So it's just a matter of uh, repetition and practice in our lives. And we're all on the journey. Nobody does this perfectly. It's not the goal. But yeah. any any ounce of awareness can improve your life in leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Add this to your toolbox. Yes. <laughs> we love recommending books to you on this podcast, and we want to make it super easy for you to use these incredibly helpful resources in your own love life. That's why we've teamed up with Audible, which has thousands of titles of all genres, which you can listen to while driving, cleaning, cooking, or any other activity. We don't judge. 
If you sign up through our link, you can get one free audiobook and one free month trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash headoverfeels. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. To submit your question, go to our website, headoverfeelspod.com. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at headoverfeelspod. Please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and review in your podcast app of choice. See you next week.